If you're uh, with us today because it's harvest, can I add my uh, welcome to Claire's? Uh, It's a a joy and a privilege to have you with us, and we hope you'll feel very much at at home. If, If you didn't know that there was lunch afterwards, don't tell anybody, but just come, okay? But you're very welcome. Seriously, we'd love you just to come and have lunch with us, even if you weren't expecting it. The only reason to go home is perhaps to turn off the chicken that is slowly uh, burning, and then come back and have your chicken at tea time. We'd love to welcome you uh, for a meal after our service this morning. You've joined us in the middle of a journey looking at ten words. Ten words we understand God gave to help us live really well. Everyone wants the best out of their lives. And many centuries ago, God said to a community of people, if you want to really live well, if you want to flourish in your personal life, in your family life, in your community, then these ten things are the deal. And we're making our way through them. And uh, you will notice that that an eighth word has now slipped back into the logo. See? Thank you very much. If only everything was as easy. And, uh, but today we're on the ninth. We're counting down ten, nine, and then eight uh, in a fortnight's time. Harvest is about fruit. It's about what can be produced. And although the tongue might be the smallest muscle in our body, or not quite the smallest, but uh, uh, we don't think of it in terms of a powerful muscle, it is indeed the, the strongest in many ways. Its influence is beyond measure. And what we're thinking about this morning is the fruit, the Bible calls it, of our lips. The fruit of our lips. You see, we have lost in our world, in our culture, the bedrock of truth. Lies are us. We live in a society that suffers truth decay. It's so widespread that we expect most people to suffer this disease. When we're told by the company that your refund check is in the post, we are not certain it is until it pops through our letterbox. When someone says, I'll call you back, we are not certain they will until they do. In fact, I'm usually so surprised that someone has actually called me back that I thank them for calling me back. I thank them for doing something that they said they would do. And it reveals the lack of optimism that I have in people uh, living up to or keeping their word. When the sign says you can't buy cheaper, we assume we probably can. And when you're stopped in the street for a questionnaire that it will just take two minutes, sir, you know it will be five, maybe even ten. And when your dentist says open wide, it won't hurt a bit... And when the Inland Revenue calls to say they're only here to help, you know that not everything you hear is absolutely true. Our experience is that people don't keep their word. They don't mean what they say, and they don't say what they mean. Words cannot be trusted. The story goes of a man in fear and trepidation who agreed to do a parachute jump in order to raise money for his favourite charity. After many sleepless nights, as you might imagine, the morning of the jump came, and with all the gear on, the instructor takes them through some final checks and some final instructions. Remember, out of the aircraft, one, two, three, pull the cord. If nothing happens, 
pull the second cord and your reserve parachute will open, then gently descend to the ground while you enjoy the view. And when you get down to the bottom, we'll have a cup of tea waiting for you. Easy. In the aeroplane they go, he jumps out. One, two, three, pulls the cord, nothing. Pulls the second cord, nothing. He's hurtling towards the ground. Just before he hits the ground, he's heard to say, I bet there's no cup of tea either. (laughs) And we're not sure that what people say us these days can absolutely be trusted. And in our age of communication, when we use more words than we've ever used in our, or in the history of our, of our world, we're far from sure whether the many words are actually true. And it's something that affects all areas of our lives. In politics, it's not just uh, the big high-profile names like Bill Clinton and Jeffrey Archer and Jonathan Aiken, but a far more widespread collapse in confidence between the public and our politicians around an almost universal belief or perception that they cannot be trusted. Someone came to our home this week and said, they're all liars. That's the perception. In business, from builders who do jobs for cash, so it remains undeclared, to national companies that fiddle the statistics to their advantage. Who can be trusted? What about references in business? For all the words, we're not sure that they're true. You will be very fortunate to get this person to work for you, said one reference. (laughs) He's definitely a young man to watch. One day he will forge a name for himself. I'm sure that whatever he undertakes, no matter how small, he will be fired with enthusiasm. (laughs) It's not just politics or business, but sport. Over the last 20 years, the IOC has had a massive battle of trying to curb drug taking. Drug testing is the norm because people's word cannot be believed. Politics, business, media, what about... Uh, Sport, what about media? On holiday, tabloid newspapers were left all around the swimming pool. And it's amazing what passes as news. It's quite an eye-opener. And amazing how many pages of detail can be filled without any actual facts. All spin, innuendo, suggestion. It's not like, though, this is an issue out there for all those big sort of things out there and not for us. It's a personal issue too. And before we get on a high horse about everybody else, perhaps we need to look at what's a little closer to home. Take gossip. Many of us love it. It's why we buy the newspapers and it's why we read the magazines. And when someone says, I'm not sure I should be telling you this, your need to hear what they're about to say increases tenfold. Go on then, what is it? Won't tell anyone, go on then. When was the last time you said, well, if you shouldn't tell me, don't? It's not just gossip, exaggeration, making something better than it is, pretense, making something different to what it is, slander, making something worse than it is, denial, refusing something to be as it is. And it's into this world that the ninth word came and still comes. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbour. God says, if you want to live well, you need the bedrock of truth in your life. And I think that this word from heaven offers us at least three challenges. Firstly, it challenges us to believe the truth. 
We are to believe in the truth because God is truth. God is truth. At the core of God, one of the unchanging characteristics of his nature, one of his unchanging values is truth. Into your hands I commit my spirit, O Lord, the God of truth. Because God is truth, truth wins. Because God is truth, truth will always endure. Because God is truth, truth will last. Because God is truth, truth builds. Because God is truth, truth telling, not lying, will get us out of trouble. Grab hold of the Bible, would you, in front of you, please, and turn with me to page 646, Proverbs chapter 12. That Proverbs 12 begins on 645, but 646 and verse 13 is where I'd like you to to, to have it open. An evil man, verse 13, is trapped by his sinful talk, but a righteous man escapes trouble. Truth rescues us. But our natural instinct usually is to lie our way out of a pickle or to fudge the truth to get us out of trouble. When we do, we're going directly against what God's Word says and what God Himself stands for. Sinful, lying talk traps. Righteous or truthful talk leads to escape. Move on to verse 17. A truthful witness gives honest testimony, but a false witness tells lies. The writer is drawing a contrast between two types of people. It forces us to ask the question, which one are we? Or who do we want to be? And then this contrast gets reflected in the following verses. Look at verse 18. Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Truth builds. If you want to build, if you want to bring healing or wholeness, then you need to be on the side of truth. It's truth that brings healing and builds, but it's also truth that lasts. Look at the next verse. Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue lasts only a moment. It's truth that produces joy and peace. Look at verse 20. There's deceit in the hearts of those who plot evil, but joy for those who promote peace. So for all of this, no wonder when we get to verse 22, we read what God thinks. The Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in men who are truthful. Excuse me. Yes, several actually. Thank you, Bob. Hopping around. Do we believe those words from Proverbs? Do we believe, for example, that truth is the best way out of trouble? That truth builds, that truth brings healing, that truth lasts, that truth promotes joy and peace? Uh, No, not naturally, I don't think. Our human tendency is different to that. 
Because our human tendency, whenever we find ourselves in a pickle, is to quickly become economical with the truth. Believing it is for our advantage, or at best, for the advantage of the situation, to be less than truthful, to fudge it or spin it a bit. So often we're not convinced that the whole truth and nothing but the truth is best. Wouldn't you agree? And so we're at odds with these verses. And when we're less than straight, we've lost our belief in the truth. Believing that a lie is more expedient is better than the truth. So, what about it? Do we believe in the truth? Or do we believe in the expediency of lying or fudging it or spinning it just a little bit more? Microsoft recently unveiled its latest version of Encarta, which uh, is like an encyclopedia, but instead of it coming in loads of books that look really impressive on your shelf, which is why we bought encyclopedias in the past, it now comes on a, on a little disc that you put in your computer. So you have to tell everybody that you've got it because they can't see it in your living room. But apart from that... It's got all kinds of fancy things on it. You can watch films and listen to audio clips and the search facility is better than ever before and so on. Technically, it's brilliant. But there are nine editions. Nine different editions. American, British, French, German, Italian, Spanish, Dutch, Japanese and Brazilian. Remember, it's an encyclopedia designed to give us facts about the world in which we live. So why nine different editions? The different editions are there to write history differently to accord with how that particular country sees it. A newspaper wrote, Bill Gates is already the richest man in the world, but has now taken on the task of rewriting history to keep his customers happy. It's true. Microsoft's director of marketing was quoted as saying, if you look at the Battle of Waterloo in the English Encarta and the French Encarta, you get two very different versions of things like, say, who won the battle. (laughs) How incredible is that? It's outrageous. Why did Microsoft do it? Because they believed it was more expedient, better for them to spin it, to fudge it a bit. And you might be outraged that they should dare to do that. But be careful. Because I suspect all of us have at times adjusted the truth, believing it to be better for us, more expedient to do so, and we've placed our confidence in a lie rather than in the truth. Every time we lie, or tell less than the whole truth, or leave a false impression, or say as little as we can to save our conscience, but not enough to, con- but, uh, uh, but not enough to convince ourselves we've told the whole truth, we expose our lack of confidence in it. God is on the side of truth. The power of the universe is in the truth. Or to use the metaphor of last Sunday evening, truth is in tune with the song. And it's time we believed it. It's time we recaptured it and gave our lives and our relationships a power that is all too often lacking. Jesus said the truth will set you free. I've been married for 17 years. I don't look old enough, I understand that. But you'll have to trust that I'm telling the truth. I've been married for 17 years and I love my wife more today than I've ever loved her. Not just today, yesterday and tomorrow. But I love her now more now than I've ever loved her. And one of the things that we've discovered 
lots of things. But one of the things in this context is that the more honest we are, the deeper, more meaningful, more fulfilling our relationship has become. Now, being honest, really truthful, really open, can be really hard work. You've got to get things out there that really you wish didn't have to get out there. You've got to say things and hear things that you know in the short term will be uncomfortable, will be painful, will need working through and and understanding and so on. And in the midst of all the pain that sometimes the honesty and the truth brings, it's so easy to want to crawl back into your shell and start skirting around stuff all over again. But don't. The power of the universe, the power of the living God is in the truth. And it becomes liberating. And during that same 17 years, most of it's been in ministry. And we've seen relationships sometimes that are trapped, (coughs) excuse me, that are trapped because there is a whole heap of honesty that is not being shared. Relationships that are carrying a burden, paying the price of little joy and sometimes little healing and little life because they're locked apart by all the stuff that simply isn't said. And they've become false witnesses to one another. And the power of truth has been lost. I think it's time that above all the people of God believe in truth again for ourselves, for our relationship, for our community and ultimately for our world. The ninth word, do not bear false testimony, also challenges us to believe in lies. Second challenge, believe in lies. What do I mean? We need to believe how destructive lies really are. But we don't. We use euphemisms all of the time to encourage one another, maybe to assert to ourselves that lies aren't really that bad. People don't lie anymore. They're economical with the truth. The statistics are massaged, expenses are inflated, work experience is padded, product defects are overlooked, excuses are manufactured, promise deadlines slide. If ever there is a lie, it's only a white one. And we've lost our belief that a lie is a lie. We need to believe in lies because they are against God. Do you really want to be doing something that is against the living God? It's worse than that. Lying's not just against God, but as uh, Richard read to us, lying is to align ourselves directly with Satan himself. That's what Jesus says. Have a go at him, not me, if you find it uncomfortable. You belong to your father, the devil, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. He's a liar and the father of lies. When we lie, we speak the language of Satan and assert ourselves as being part of his family. I hope that makes us think twice about truth-telling or not. Let's just recap for a second. We said that we usually lie when? To get ourselves out of trouble or pickle or difficulty. We lie because we believe that in that particular difficult situation, it will be more expedient, it will be better for us if we tell something that's not quite true rather than give it the whole truth. When we do, we're trying to get ourselves out of trouble Satan's way. 
We're trying to resolve our predicament using the language of the devil rather than the language of God. Question, at that point, who are you trusting to get yourself out of the mess? Well, it's not God, is it? We need to see it for what it is. You see, maybe today you're fighting your way out of trouble by trusting in the wrong side, by speaking the wrong language, by living by the wrong rules. Lies are against God. And when you find yourselves fighting your way out using lies, it's not just the trouble you're fighting, but you're setting yourself against God. You won't win. God wins. God wins. Believe in lies, they're against God. Believe in lies, they're against others. See, there's always a cost, isn't there? We're told that the cost of fraud, the black economy, uh, is, is so vast, it's hard to put a figure on it. Insurance premiums continue to rise and fraudulent and dishonest claims are not an insignificant factor. Following our car crash... All the dealings that we have with solicitors and insurance companies are built on their underlying concern that I may not be telling the truth. And so the premiums go up and go up. But lying costs not just out there, lying costs in here. The little white lie that shifts the blame moves it where? To someone else. In getting ourselves off the hook, it usually involves placing someone else on it. In making ourselves look good, we inevitably make someone else look bad. Lies have a price. Someone carries the cost. And it's a high price. It severs relationships. It breeds mistrust, uncertainty, doubt and paranoia. And so lies cut across the very heart of society where openness and trust are required for relationships, families and communities to work. Lying shows a disregard, a blatant disregard for people. Maybe that's why God hates it so much. In Proverbs, a few uh, uh, pages back from where we read some moments ago, is Proverbs chapter 6. And it says there are six things that God hates. And then it goes on, seven things the Lord detests. It's very strong language. Lying comes up twice in that short list. It's against God. It's against others. And we need to believe in lies because they're against ourselves. You see, we think that lying takes care of the immediate, but forget that it stores up trouble for the future. For a start, you need to remember what lies you have told. Abraham Lincoln was convinced that no one has a good enough memory to be a successful liar. The trouble is that lies grow. A lie needs to be protected. The only way to protect a lie is to tell another lie. And so a snowball has started to roll that can gather such momentum that it destroys everything in its path. People's careers and families have been destroyed by a web of lies that began with one lie that needed a little more protection so the lie was added to just a little bit and then just a little bit more and before they knew it, it was out of control. But more, lies begin to corrode us on the inside. Something inside me dies when I lie. It's acidic. It's caustic nature seeps into our being. But more, if I'm lying to you, maybe you're lying to me. Maybe others are lying about me if I'm lying to them about you. So who can I trust? If everything is lies and illusions, masks and pretense, the liar is all at sea. And everything becomes less and less and less real. The lie is against 
ourselves. So what's the answer as we come into land this morning? What's the answer? Maybe a little gentler than our parachutists some moments ago. What's the answer as we come into land? Well, believe in truth. Believe in lies. But believe in Jesus. Who took it all to the cross. When Jesus went to the cross, He took a world of lies, slander, and deceit with Him. It was lies, the kind of lies that we tell. It was our false testimony, gossip and rumour and innuendo that so often our story that nailed Jesus to the cross. The lying embrace of Judas. He kissed Him. All that was meant to signify love and trust He used to betray Him. And if that wasn't enough, the last moment that Jesus saw Peter, a cock crowed because Peter had lied about him, denied him, not once, not twice, but three times. And then the courtroom, many people, the good and the influential of their will gathered together and the Bible says many testified falsely against him and their statements did not agree. It was these things that Jesus took to the cross. Why does that matter? Well, two things. You see, maybe this morning you are really hurting because someone has lied to you or borne false witness about you, slandered or deceived you, and you won't need me to tell you that it really, really, really hurts. And if you don't hear anything this morning, I want you to know There is a God in heaven today who knows how you feel right in the centre, the epicentre of that burning sense of pain and betrayal. And as he took all the lies and deceit to the cross that day, the Bible says that it crushed him. It crushed him so that it need not crush you. By His brokenness, by His wounds, the Bible says, we can be healed. He knows how you feel, and through His pain, we can find our healing. Let Him take the lies that have hurt you so much to the cross that they might die there with Him. But maybe this morning you're not so much as hurting, but guilty and trapped in a web of lies you wish now you'd never started to spin. You need to know that Jesus went to the cross smothered in those lies and in that deceit. He took all their guilt, all their shame, all their dark and destructive power on himself. And they were nailed to the cross when he died there those years ago. Why? That you might be forgiven. That you might be freed from the web of deceit you've built around yourself. And when he rose from the dead, he proved that he was the truth and that he'd broken the power of lies and deceit and that he can break their power in our lives even today. The truth is, we can deal with our lives, with our lies and our deceit now or leave them and he will deal with them later. There is a time, says Jesus, when every lie and all deceit will come into the open. And if that bothers you, you will know that there are things in your life 
that are still not yet dealt with. There is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought into the open. On a beautiful summer's day, four girls decided to go out for a ride in the car rather than go to college and sit the test that they should have sat. The next day they went into college and explained to the lecturer that they had a flat tyre and were very relieved that the lecturer accepted their explanation. And I quote, Since you missed yesterday's test, you must take it now. I want each of you to go without talking and sit in the corner of the room. When they were seated, the lecturer said, This test has only one question. Which tyre was flat? You see, we might think we've got away with it all. But a day will come, sometimes sooner than we think, when the web gets unravelled. We can deal with it now and know his forgiveness and his freedom, or we can leave it to deal with us later. Let Jesus deal with it now. Why not this morning? Why not this morning let Jesus deal with it? The pain of it, the guilt, the shame of lies that you've told or have been told about you. That they might die with Him on that cross. Why? That we might rise to live the way, the truth, and the life. Let's pray. Maybe this morning you are hurting. Maybe until we started this subject this morning you didn't realise quite how much you're hurting over lies that have been told about you. False witness that's been shared about you. And even as you think about it, you feel sick in your stomach because it hurts. There is a God in heaven who knows how you feel. He knows what it's like for people to tell lies about him. He knows what it's like for people to mess with the truth and to bear false witness and to deny him and to slander him. He knows. And he took all those lies and those deceits and he nailed them to the cross with him that day so that when he rose again he might be free to heal And to save us from the crushing nature, the crushing pain that we feel. If that's the pain that you have, you can lift it to God this morning. Or place it at the foot of the cross in your mind's eye. And the God of heaven will take it for you. He was crushed that you might not need to be. Maybe the pain that you're feeling is of guilt and shame because you've spun some lies and you know they're hurt. You've built some things on deceit. There are areas of your life that have been less than true. And it's uncomfortable. The Bible calls that conviction. Conviction. 
The Holy Spirit makes us uncomfortable that we might deal with it. Whatever the uncomfortableness of these moments, it's nothing compared to letting those lies deal with us in the end. And you can choose now to turn from them, to give them to the God who died for them. And know a cleansing, a forgiveness and a freedom that maybe you've long thought was no longer possible. So in these moments, let's reach to God for healing or for forgiveness. Or just once more for His Spirit of truth to search our lives and to ensure that we live and think and speak on the bedrock of truth. Let's do that as Anna sings to us.